Before we get started with the show today, I have a listener to thank for a donation. Thank you so much to Cinnamon Andrews for your donation of $25. We really appreciate it. If you feel like Cinnamon does that we provide value to every week, then go ahead and go to www.messystudiopodcast.com and click the donate button. It's a yellow button in the upper right hand corner and there you can set up a recurring monthly donation or a single time donation for whatever amount you feel this podcast is worth to you. So once again, that's www.messystudiopodcast.com and click the donate button. Thanks again to Cinnamon Andrews and on with the show. Hello and welcome to The Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I'm Ross Tickner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. On today's episode, we are talking about texture. Along with color, texture is one of the most evocative visual elements, engaging not only our eyes, but our sense of touch, as well as our memories and associations. Many artists seek out ways of creating texture and consider it one of the most important aspects of their work. Yet, because it is such a powerful element, it needs to be used thoughtfully and often with restraint. How can we use texture most effectively in our work, allowing it to take its place with other visual elements without overpowering them? What are the special qualities of texture that can be used to enhance our work? With me, as always, is Rebecca Kroll. Hello, everyone. Today, we're going to talk about some of the technical aspects of texture, you know, how it's created, um, how it works as a visual element, but also the more conceptual ones. Um, And this is because, of course, as with every aspect of design and every visual element, you know, they have to work together, this idea of form and content that we often talk about. Um, So many times as an instructor... I see the excitement that people experience when they create texture in their cold wax paintings. And this is, it is one of the most um, engaging aspects of working with that particular medium is the ability to create really interesting texture. But I guess I want to start with a bit of a caution, and that is when texture is just kind of an end goal um, rather than a means to an end, you know, if it's created without some kind of intention or meaning just for its own sake, it tends to become a pretty kind of superficial painting. And so once somebody looks at it quickly and they go, oh, yeah, there's a lot of texture, you know, <laughs> uh, what what's next, you know? Um, well, and that's true of any visual element. You know, if you just add color for the sake of color or lines for the sake of lines. Very true. It's not going to have that that depth to it that you're that you're really looking for in your work. Yeah, and I think, you know, particularly as somebody who teaches cold wax medium, I know that there's that the textures you can create are particularly engaging. And that's why, you know, I mention it especially. Um, it may be true of other media as well. I know acrylic painters can access a lot of different additives that add texture to their work and so on. Um and often what I see is this kind of, just because the texture is the main point, there's sort of patches of unrelated texture here and there on the painting and maybe not particularly um, uh, nuanced or anything. They're just kind of, oh, here's where some bubble wrap went down or whatever. So um, so that's kind of the the 
issue I just wanted to bring up right at the beginning, but um, definitely texture can work really well as a prominent fixture, or, I'm sorry, as a prominent feature if it's part of the concept. And and I think of the artist Anthony Tapias, a Spanish artist um, who used very prominent gritty, like, like gritty textures in his work, maybe a whole area that's just sand um, or some other additive. And the work has a really strong sort of confrontational aspect. And of course, you look right at the texture, but it's very intentional. Um, and he also plays it off against much quieter parts in the work. So, you know, I, I say as a disclaimer at the beginning, texture is can be the dominant element in the painting, but it's, it's a bit tricky. Um, and I also want to say I'm going to be talking mainly about two-dimensional work. Um, I see kind of a difference with 3D work, with um, sculpture or, say, fine craft. It's often the artist um, makes a, a choice of a surface that kind of enhances the form of the object, or, or maybe it's just the result of the material that it's made out of. If you're working in clay, you know, you might have a very, um, you could either have a rough or a smooth clay surface, but the clay itself is what's defining the texture. Um, and so it, uh, it's just sort of part of the whole, it's, it's meant to enhance the form probably more than just done purely for its own sake. Um, I do think texture is important for all artists, but I'm just going to say that, you know, because I'm a painter, that's mainly what I'm going to talk about. Uh, yeah, I, I think that when you're you're working with a medium like clay that just produces texture so readily, um, and it's it's something that's actually unavoidable when you're working with when you're working with clay, uh, just wedging clay on that canvas surface will create a texture, and I I think that for uh, for painting, um, there's a lot of a lot of when we're getting started in that particular medium where. We're working with watercolor. We're working with something that, that doesn't create texture readily. And so there's maybe something that you're kind of craving that you want to draw into your work. And uh, when you get exposed to something like like cold wax and that texture starts to come out really readily, uh, there's there's a uh, an excitement about it. And you yeah, just want, sure. all, you want all the textures. And <laughs> maybe there's something beneficial about um, as you're learning – are playing oh, yeah. around with different uh, different mediums and and different uh, uh, techniques early on, so that when you start to experiment with something like cold wax, it's not it's not like oh this is a totally new and exciting. I mean it, it is new and exciting. It should be, but it it um, you know you have that sense of of where is texture appropriate? When is it better for something to be smooth? Mm -hmm. um, you know, in in clay, a lot of times we're uh, we're looking to create smoothness as well as textures because the textures come so readily. So yeah. it's it's something where you, you maybe it's a, a grass is always greener type situation where you're always craving what is a little bit more difficult to pull out of any particular style or technique. Yeah, good point. And and when we're talking, when you're talking about the texture of clay, and that that's a physical texture. And when I'm talking most of the time about cold wax medium, it tends to be an impressed texture into the surface or a built up texture. But um, I guess kind of getting into some of the technical aspects of uh, working with texture, the, the very first one to talk about really is... Um, physical texture that you can feel with your fingertips, 
or um, visual texture, or um, you might call it um, illusionistic texture. And and the idea behind that is it looks like if you think of a black and white photograph of something rough, like a brick, you read that as texture, but of course it would be smooth to the touch. So those are really distinct categories of texture. Um, and we'll, I'll try to distinguish between them when I'm uh, talking. And the idea of contrast, um, you mentioned smooth and rough. Um, there's other really interesting ways to juxtapose texture uh, within a within a painting. Um, and oftentimes, you know, if you use uh, more than one approach, you create that contrast, which is interesting. So another one might be um, a very organic texture, and you might create physical texture by pressing in dried grass or something like that, um, versus mechanical texture or, you know, very hard-edged or definite, and that would be something like um, pressing in um, a straight-edge ruler or something like that, and you get a really different kind of feeling. Um Subtle texture versus prominent texture, that is a big point. Uh, it, it's not exactly smooth and rough. Subtle texture can be, um, you know, it can have physical texture or it could just be visual texture, but you're playing it off against something that's more prominent, like I was talking about with um, Tapias. So if you are a painter that works in realism, you're probably used to working with texture as an illusion. That's the the second type, the visual texture, where maybe with a brush you're trying to uh, give the idea of a tree trunk. And so um, probably the surface of your painting might be pretty smooth, but when someone looks at it, they're sensing that roughness. Um, abstraction kind of opens up another whole realm of ways to create texture and perhaps more conscious focus on it as, as to what you're doing with it. Um, texture has a lot of importance in a composition. And so this is another kind of technical aspect of it. Um, strong texture carries a lot of visual weight. Our eyes will go to that. And so, you know, we, we did this podcast recently about editing. This is, this is a place where we often need to edit because textures can appear or we can put them in deliberately that are absolutely fascinating and beautiful and wonderful. But if they don't work with the whole piece or there's too many of them scattered all around in different ways, then we are challenged to, um, you know, get rid of some of those. Okay, so I, I'd like to talk a little bit more in detail about this actual physical texture, the stuff that's, you know, you can feel with your fingertips. There's lots of ways to create it. Um, by additives, um, you know, adding things to the paint, building up the paint, um, gouging into the paint, and, um, you know, all sorts of ways to create that texture, pressing things in. So some people like to do this at the very first stage of a painting. In other words, right on the board or the canvas, they're going to put down some material that creates texture and it's going to harden up. Um, and so it it is something that's going to be there for the whole painting. So if you're going to do this, I really say that it needs to be pretty carefully considered. This would be a situation where you would need to think ahead and not just paint intuitively um, because typically uh, that initial layer is, is like I said, it's going to persist <laughs> and you don't want to have to work your whole painting around 
those initial choices. And things that might do this would be things um, like some of the acrylic mediums that have a lot of body to them, or um, plaster, or um, some people use joint compound and things like that. Uh, and it's definitely, you know, it's fine. But like so many things, you have to give it some thought, because you don't want to be fighting that. So for myself, I prefer like a gradually developed actual texture. Um, when I have actual texture in my work, it tends to evolve through the painting. Um, and to me, this makes it more organic, more integrated, uh, more flexible. And because you can you can continue to work it. You know, if you don't like that bit of texture, you can scrape it off, at least with oil paint. Um, and you can also, there becomes a subtlety when you add a lot of layers that kind of disguises what that texture was made with, which appeals to me because um, I don't particularly like the technique to be the most obvious thing when someone looks. And right away they're saying, oh, it looks like, you know, wire mesh was pressed in right there. And then it becomes sort of, you know, tricky. And so um, I like to have it obscured and somewhat mysterious as to how it got there. Usually I don't even remember how it got there. So because there's a lot of layers. Um, another thing about this actual physical texture is that um, it tends to have kind of a a heavy presence in the work. And and by that, I mean, there's, there's often a roughness to it that make can make a painting look like it's weighs more than it does. You know, I, I've seen heavily textured paintings that look like they weighed 500 pounds, you know. Um, but, the, but the texture itself um, tends to absorb rather than reflect light. So there's a density to it. Um, and that adds to this kind of uh, presence of it. And this can be a powerful thing. This can be what you want in your work. Um, but just to note that, that that does have that effect. And so if you're looking for something more luminous, more light-filled, more um, feeling of a airiness, a lot of actual texture isn't going to get you there um, as well. And and then just to finally note, as we were talking about earlier on, not all media create actual texture. I mean, you mentioned watercolor. Um, and that's pretty obvious to say, but I just want to throw it in there. If you want to work with texture, and it's one of the things that you're really interested in, obviously gravitate towards the media that will do that, which is um, different types of paint. Um, the the water-based paint that works well for creating texture is acrylic. And like I said, there's a lot of different additives that can be bought or made to bring you know more body to it. Uh, with something like cold wax, there's all kinds of things you can add to it, marble dust. Um, ash and um, sand and, um, you know, I've been using some adobe mud in mine. It's dried, but, you know, the adobe dirt in my work here in New Mexico. And that's another thing I want to say. I, I will get to this more when we talk about the conceptual aspects of texture. But one of the beautiful things about using additives in your work that you bring in from the environment is that you can make that connection with your environment. And you can say, pick up sand from a beach that you love and put it in a painting. And then it has it has a meaning. Um, you're building that in, a kind of a personal meaning to it. Right. 
There's also I, with these different kinds of of techniques for for adding texture um, with uh, with specific media. Um, there's also uh, some of these textures will create random effects, and some of them will be patterns. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, these can be used in different ways within a painting, and they also are more or less recognizable by somebody who's looking at the, the finished product. Yeah, and it's, it's really in how you use it, because you can take something like a piece of screen and maybe push it into your paint one way and then turn it and push right. it another way and, and overlap and obscure. Um, and that, that also brings to mind the point that the wetter – uh, the surfaces that you're pressing into, the more emphatic the texture. Uh, people sometimes don't let things set up enough to create a more subtle effect. And so when you push you push that screen into a pile of wet paint, obviously it's going to be pretty dramatic. If that's what you want, good. Uh, if you want it more subtle, let it set up a little bit. Um, so I want to talk a little bit now about the the visual texture, or illusionistic, suggested texture, all those words that kind of describe what this is, um, created with tools that uh, don't build up the surface and they don't gouge the surface uh, to any great degree. There's always going to be a little bit of that. And these would include things like soft brushes, squeegees and brayers, which we use in, in cold wax painting. Um, so how do you make this? I mean, what am I talking about? And it's hard to illustrate, you know, <laughs> with just talking about it. But think again of that photograph of the of the brick or the bark or whatever it is. What you're seeing there really is um, a use of contrast, either value or color. So very small areas right next to one another. And when your eye perceives that, um, you don't see it as smooth. You see it as uh, creating... Um, a back and forth, uh, it's, it's an illusion almost of, of actual texture. It depends on these kind of subtle shifts that lead your eye to perceive depth and perceive a tactile feeling on the, on the painting. Um, usually this is done with thin layers and a lot of complex interactions of the colors and the values. Um, this is something I use a lot in my own work. I'm, I'm really more of a visual texture person than an actual texture person. Which is odd considering your, uh, your, your style and, and the, the tools that you, that you tend to use in your work. Well, and I can't tell you the number of times people have seen my work in person and they go, but it's smooth. <laughs> right. It's like, and, and it was never my intention to be, you know, tricky about this. It's actually the techniques that I use, which involve a lot of compression. So I'll typically put on, um, you know, when the paint goes on, it's a little bit thicker. And then I'm pushing down on the paint with the brayer or the squeegee. And it's, and so when I push the layers together, it does create this complex interactions if they're, you know, contrasting colors. And there's so much of this in my work. Um, and so, uh, I like it because I find it very flexible. Um, you know, I, I don't, I'm not interested in pushing around a lot of heavy texture. That said, I do have more buildup areas on the work. Sometimes I use sand and things like that, um, as well, some additives, some marble dust, but overall I'm building it up in, in, in thin layers. And I like 
the luminous aspect of it that I mentioned right. before with a with a heavy texture tends to um, feel heavy to absorb light um, and these these layers have the potential of being luminous because they're reflecting the light and not not every painting has that intention but overall um, that I like that aspect of it. Yeah, you retain both the feeling of texture and the luminosity of a smooth surface. <laughs> the best of both worlds. It's it's what works for me, you know. And I I also really love seeing paintings with well used actual texture. I I really enjoy that, and I admire people who work with it well. It's just not what I do, but I can speak to the benefits of this more illusionistic texture. And so, if you're wondering what I'm talking about, you know, if you look at any of my paintings online and they seem to have actual texture, it's probably actually quite smooth. Um, so overall with these different approaches, this actual and this visual texture, um, they both require um, play, experimentation, seeing how to create them. I mean, they don't, any of these things, like anything we talk about takes practice. Um, and, and the, when you're taking sort of the easy way out and just maybe pressing something into the surface and leaving it alone, you know, that's kind of superficial because it's so obvious. Um, how can you make that more interesting, more, have more depth, have more, uh, hold the viewer's eye more in a, in a intriguing way rather than just, I can identify what was pressed in here. So, uh, just want to encourage if you if texture is appealing and it is very appealing as you mentioned in the intro, it's to me besides color the most evocative visual element. It's the one that elicits emotions and responses and associations, um, and so it's it's well worth figuring out um, how to develop it and make it work for you and and your your own intentions, your own concepts, and that. Talking about that evocative aspect of texture leads me into the last thing that I want to talk about, and which is very important. What what about the conceptual aspects of texture? What about um, how can you use it to uh, create meaning? And it's funny because that word texture, we use it in different ways, right, to describe something that's rich and something that has variety. Uh, in other areas besides art, and we talk about the texture of a musical piece or a film or of a piece of writing or uh, an experience, um, even life itself, you know, we say the texture of my days is blah, 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 for being poetic, you know, but it's, it's a phrase and people get what it means. It's like, this is the richness, this is the depth. Um, so that sets up a really nice direct link between the form and content I mentioned earlier. When you make a texture, whatever it is, it's going to um, sort of provoke a response. And when you make textures that excite you or move you, um, you know, think about why. And this can really open up new ideas in your work. Uh, it can also be the way to decide if it belongs in the particular work that you're that you're doing, where the texture has come up. Uh, but always being aware of the way that texture can can work on emotions, I think uh, one of the aspects of it is that it often feels like something old. You know, when you when you build up a lot of texture, it can seem to be something weathered, something that's um, been eroded or has an aged feeling often. And that right there, that concept of aging, is a pretty emotional one. 
um, something we all confront and have, you know, different feelings about it. And to see something beautifully weathered is very appealing. Um, you know, it's kind of, it, it has a um, evocative sense of kind of the beauty of life and acceptance. Um, that said, textures can be very sleek and smooth and that elicits something else, you know, something that you kind of want to touch it and feel how smooth it is. Um, they can be, uh, uh, evoke nature a lot of times, like really organic textures. Um, there's so many different ways that they, they kind of provoke our, our response. Um, I think another interesting aspect of texture is that it really has to be experienced in person. Um, you can you can see a, a photo of something and have like an impression of what that texture is, but mm -hmm. the only way to really experience it is in person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and one of the reasons I think a photo can elicit a response because we imagine ourselves in that in the presence of that thing whatever that thing is <laughs> maybe we've seen it before uh, a weathered board or something and we say yeah i know what that feels like there, there is that that really tactile aspect to it um and it it brings up experiences it brings up associations um so other kind of conceptual things that we've talked about the materiality of say clay or cold wax medium um, when you when the emphasis is on actual texture, physical texture, it does bring focus to the medium itself um, in a way that maybe the um, the illusionistic texture does less of. But really intense physical texture, you you're right away thinking in terms of the material that it was made with. So if that's something that interests you, and a lot of artists are interested in. The physicality of their work they you know they're involved in it with their hands um and they're you know there's something about their physical involvement that's appealing and they want others to feel that the physical texture really does that um and as i mentioned the the aspects of the illusionistic texture can feel more cerebral more um kind of light uh, and and that, these are generalizations. I mean, it absolutely depends on the artist that's that's working with it. Um, but I bring this up one last time to say sometimes, uh, you know, you might think you're after a particular effect, and you might not really have made this distinction in your head about the kind of texture you're using. And um, say you're trying to achieve that light, airy feeling, but you're piling on a lot of heavy texture. Um, it's it's one of those situations where form and content are not in alignment. You're sort of uh, fighting against the material. So it is a consideration when you think about your intentions for the work and what you're trying to say with it. Um, so uh, basically you're looking at it in terms of, of texture as what does it add to the painting overall? Um, is it functioning well in the composition? Uh, do you have it too scattered? Is it all over? It's not connected. It's just done for its own sake. These are kind the kind of things that you can think about when you when you look at your work in a self critical way. Well, and what is your personal interaction with that texture? Yeah. You know, how how does it? Where does it come from? How is it you? Yes. Good point. Yeah. Um, and you know, for 
I guess I could speak uh, personally about that because of most of my work is comes at some level from interacting with nature. It really is mostly the organic textures that I'm drawn to. However, getting back to the idea of contrast, um, putting in something that's more um, mechanical or rigid in the painting is also, it, it provides that contrast. But there's a basic attraction to organic texture, and I think a lot of artists can relate to that. Well, do you have any final thoughts to wrap up this episode? I think that um, texture, to use texture effectively, just be aware that you're making choices about how to use it. And these can be intuitive or they can be very deliberate, but texture has power. It's very impactful. And if you just give it absolute free reign, um, it can become a distraction in your work and get in the way of the painting being cohesive. But using it with intention, you can really enhance your work, um, bringing this conceptual aspect of texture into it, uh, personal associations, personal meanings, um, and just getting have it be a part of your personal voice that has meaning to you. Well, that just about wraps up this episode of The Messy Studio. For more from The Messy Studio, please check out www.messystudiopodcast.com and sign up for the email list. You can also find The Messy Studio on Facebook, as well as public profiles for both Rebecca Kroll and myself, Ross Tickner. For more from Rebecca Kroll, please check out www.rebeccacroll.com and www.squeegeepress.com and sign up for the email lists to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. The Messy Studio Podcast is a core publication management production. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. In the meantime, embrace your creative space, messy or otherwise. Thanks, everybody.